Into the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Busy morning on the show. And as promised, we roll right along and joining us now, a guy who, uh, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you've probably been keeping up to date with uh, all of his content every week, but especially the last few days. Brody Miller, who is the LSU beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, Brody, a lot of moving parts this week, man. I imagine, um, you know, you've, you've been in the business for a while now, but this week, probably unlike any other week you've had in the business. <laughs> I, I'm being sincere here. I think the number one lesson I've learned at LSU and Baton Rouge in general is, uh, no week. I mean, you always think one week's going to be the worst weekend it ever is. Cause honestly, I can think of some others that have just even topped this. It is, there's never, ever, ever a dull day on this beat. There's nothing like it, but yes, anyway, yeah, absolutely. You have the, uh, first off, it's Monday of BAM week, so you start there. Then you have, you know, the Coymore allegations against Baton Rouge police that come out Sunday. Then you have, obviously, an outbreak that they became aware of last week. And that that kind of came to light Monday. It was like, it was an all-time Monday press conference. And, and it was the kind of press conference that Miles Brennan maybe being shut down for the season was like the fifth biggest thing to come out of it or or even like the fact that LSU just landed like two top 50 recruits in the last like week, which was pretty important for this program where it's at right now. It's just like so many things going on. The things that would be massive stories any other week are just buried right now. Yeah, cue the Samuel L. Jackson from Jurassic Park uh, soundbite. Hold on to your butts because <laughs> it, it's like 2020 has been a year of first, obviously, in a lot of ways. But what a wild week, man. Well, you've been on top of it. Uh, I've been following it. And you know, I, a lot to unpack there. Brody Miller, our guest. Uh, let's let's start with what you just referenced there about Miles Brennan possibly being shut down for the season and that being kind of at the back of the list of everything else happening. What can you tell us about that? Because I, I admit, I kind of saw something about him still dealing with various things, but for the season, I mean, that, that must have been down on the list. It kind of went past me this week. It, it's simultaneously surprising in the terms that, I mean, I mean, his father and people close to him were kind of hoping, shoot, he would have been able to play the South Carolina game, and now, now you're saying season. So when you look at it from that perspective, yes, it seems pretty wild. But I will say it was the kind of injury, you know, torn abdominal, all that kind of thing, that, like, they they knew it was something that was going to, you know, everyone heals differently, but most likely affect him all season. They know it's pretty painful, and it was kind of just a – it was always going to be a bit of a pain management. How does he feel day to day kind of injury, you know? So there was always a chance that like, Hey, maybe he just never really did heal normally and that maybe it would be prolonged. And, and, and I think that's kind of just what happened where, I mean, like, I'm not even going to credit, like it's quarterback. I think we talked about this last time. Like that is the one position that your abdominal is just every single play is going to take such a beating so i get it and yeah i think if if the season was different if they were four and one like i would argue they probably should be you know if they were four and one yeah i think that conversation would be very very different right now but it's just hey you're two and three this injury is going to be excruciatingly painful i imagine and it was just kind of like by the way they haven't decided to shut him down of course but it's like hey maybe you consider it you know maybe you just try to make sure you are perfect for next year you know, uh, from a revenue standpoint, what what is this season gonna gonna do to the LSU athletic department? Well, you know, I don't want to 
get into specifics or anything like that because I don't I don't have those answers yet. It's something we're actually working on right now. But you know, so I don't want to you know talk out of my my behind here. But absolutely, I mean, it's going to be very very damaging. There's there's no way around. And to be clear, it's damaging for just about every athletic and you know just entire university really in the country. So they're not alone in that sense. But it it, it hurts because okay, first off, everyone you know LSU for example had what 36 million in in that, in ticket revenue alone last year and now. Now, first off, you're going from seven games to three this year because of uh, cancellation. So we like that alone. Let's just start there. Then you go to 25% capacity. And by the way, I don't even think they're really hitting the 25% in most games. But say they are. Now, so what? Then you're saying I don't know, a little over a million a game, you know, something like that. So uh, and that, that you know, so now you're coming away with what three million compared to 36 million. Sheesh. And then you just throw in obviously all the other changes and all the other concession losses, all these things. And yeah, it's it's a it's a massive, massive blow for every. I mean, and obviously LSU already had to have some some pretty serious layoffs and pay cuts about two weeks ago at Ogeron, and a lot of the top coaches took a pay cut. They had to fire some some pretty high ranking administrators and officials. So, it, times are very, very tough, and losing this Bama game is definitely a, an even bigger debt. Uh, Brody Miller, our guest, LSU beat reporter for the Athletic at Brody A Miller on Twitter. He also hosts the Hold That Podcast podcast with our boy. T-Bob Bear. T-Bob was suggesting, um, Brody, the possibility of LSU and Bama just moving their game back to the week in LSU plays Arkansas since LSU and Arkansas won't be playing in the SEC title game, possibly <laughs> trying to reschedule that game during the championship. There are so many moving parts, and I don't, I know you don't have the answer, um, yeah. but, but what what are some possibilities? And in, in, in the follow-up question, I'll just go ahead and ask now, is there a, a you know percentage wise this game just doesn't get played this year? I mean, my my I'm still going to stick to the assumption it does get played this year. I think that is the more likely scenario for everything you're saying. I mean, there is just no open week left. And, but I think you know the the pitch. You know, I think Pat Muscone was one of the first people I saw pitch that that idea of you know the Arkansas week and moving that back and all that. That's first off, that's really intriguing, and I think it's something that if the SEC does decide to be that open to just like really throwing out the schedule and moving things around. It's a pretty good idea. I mean, it really is. But I, I, I think one where it remains to be seen how far the SEC is willing to go. I think that's the number one thing. But two, and I think this is kind of the other big wrinkle in all this, is they also are going to have to make some pretty big decisions about how they handle Florida and Alabama schedules for several reasons. I mean, okay, so if you cancel the Alabama game altogether, right, and they don't play, yeah. Okay, so how is now? Now Florida has to play LSU in the week before the SC championship game to play the same team Alabama also had canceled, but Alabama gets a free week. So, like, basically, Alabama gets a free week before the championship game just because of the timing of the cancellation. So, that's incredibly unfair. So, you know, at what point do you try to make it maneuver it in some way to? To make it so they're both playing a game that week, or or maybe does the SEC? And I think this is something you can't rule out. Is at what point does the SEC realize like these are two champs at a you know at a our two chances at a playoff spot, right? And these are you know are the most important thing is the SEC championship in this conference. At what point do you just kind of like get, like you said get creative with the schedule and take away the Florida game, you know, like in and just leave them both open because you really as much as you want to be like everyone plays ten and be straight and be like all that. I think there are bigger priorities than like if someone plays nine and someone plays 10. So that's a long winded rambling answer, but I think there's just so many factors at play that we're going to learn a lot really soon about what the SEC really wants. And then they could obviously make a plan and then 
you know, it just gets kiboshed like, you know, a, a few True. days later. But it's just wild. I mean, th- this weekend in the SEC as a whole, like if this is as bad as it gets, then I think they'll be okay. But if they have other weekends like this, we have multiple games already postponed and others that are that are in question like you currently have. I mean, we talk, talk about revenue. I imagine CBS and ESPN are kind of like, Eesh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of moving parts here, but this is just a rough thing. Is it fair to say that, like, the the the, the strongest power right now in the SEC is Halloween parties? <laughs> I mean, that's got to have yeah, the biggest like impact, the thing, right? It is, and it's kind of funny. It's kind of been the thing that, like, everyone knows and no one's been really, like, coming out and saying because I don't think anyone wants to get in, like, a political debate right now or anything like that, but it's like... I mean, yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's not the case maybe for every program having an outbreak right now, but yeah, that's absolutely what happened. And I mean, I was in group chats with friends, and I mean, we're not like nerds or anything, but it was just kind of like we like went on social media and just saw like every party in the world and every city in the world was just acting like everything was normal and just like packed parties. I saw everywhere, and I'm just and we were even predicting at the time we're like, oh, this could be really bad, you know, and. And I and I know a lot of people like to play the what aboutism card about protests and other things that have gathered people and all that. Sure, absolutely. Those I mean but but oh my goodness. And now you're literally seeing two weeks later to a T that cases have tripled in certain areas across the country. And I mean it is I think one out of every uh fifteen hundred people in South Dakota, I believe it was, are are hospitalized right now. And it's just like, oh shoot, Halloween is a uh, Halloween is kind of doing this and it's kinda of wild. And the last thing I'll say on that is Obviously, for LSU, it's the worst look than anything because they, you know, all reports are, and, I th- and I've confirmed that a lot of this outbreak really stems from basically a bunch of the team going to a, 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 a big Halloween rager the night after they lost 48-11 at Auburn. I mean, that's a that's a bad look for responsibility reasons, and it's a really bad look for, wow, you just got your, your butt whooped and you just went to a party. Yeah, your worst loss of the 21st century and uh, in terms of just <laughs> – within the conference point wise, everything like that. And then uh, you just go ahead and go out that night. And now, now you, you can't play football this week and uh, who knows when, but it's, uh, it's, it's postponed. We know that much and there's plenty being made out of it. I mean, that the fact that you bear, you didn't have enough scholarship players to play. Um, if they had played this upcoming Saturday, how bad do you think it would have been for LSU? I think it would have been, there's a, I mean, it's LSU, you know, I always just have to throw that preface out there that like, as bad as it's been, I still always believe there is a scenario where they get it right on a certain game and they get it together a little bit and they can compete with anybody because yeah, everyone on the team is still really good football player and there's no excuse for what's happened. But yeah, I mean, the line was 22 at open and I, and I was, even then I was kind of like, listen, I don't want to be an extremist, but that line seems pretty darn low. I think LSU should win this game by 35 or 40 if all things you know, act like they have been this season. And then obviously it was up to about 24 and a half or so when the news broke and now it was up to 28 by the time it was off the board. So yeah, I mean, I, I even, I would have taken minus 28 if I was a, you know, a better, you know, I just, I, I think, uh, I think Alabama really would have demolished this game. I mean, first off, Alabama's offense is, I'm not saying it's there, but it's right there with 2019 LSU offense. I mean, it is an all-time offense and you have and tell us your defense that, you know, aside from Derek Stingley and some of the, some players, there's just I just don't think there's any way they can hang with them. And then, yeah, and then you have no Miles Brennan. I, 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 as much as people want to be like the Alabama defense isn't isn't elite anymore, it's still 
pretty good. It's just not amazing anymore. And I, I think they would have had their way with, you know, TJ Finley, no disrespect to him, but a true freshman. You know, I, I think that game would have been a an all-time, like we talked about it for a long time, kind of beat down. Five games postponed this week and another canceled in college football, three <laughs> of those six within the SEC, and uh, potentially more. Is that Would you be surprised if another game is, is postponed, or do you think they're going to be able to, to get these games off? Yeah, it's actually yeah, it's a great question because it is hard to tell because I mean we have heard things of you know a little bit of you know a few people getting positive at, at, at Kentucky. We obviously know Arkansas Sam Pittman's positive. We all know, and then I think Missouri has a little flare up too. So or, or at least one positive case I believe was reported. I don't want to speak out of line. So yeah, I mean they're at a point where it's basically every single game has something kind of at risk, and obviously these things can compound quickly. So I mean as of right now. It, indications are they're going to go forward and, I, and I, it seems like they should but yeah it's uh, it is absolutely possible that like there was a moment yesterday for me my editor was joking not joking but we we're just like is there there might be zero SEC football games this week and and i hate to even talk like this but at what point do you just like hit pause on the season and and almost just like make sure you finish it and get things under control i'm not actually suggesting that but no, I, I understand. You, you gotta, you gotta consider everything at this point. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, what if I had, let's say I had talked to you last week before all of this craziness happened? Um, what, what, what's the pulse like in 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 Baton Rouge and among LSU fans that you hear from about Bo Pelini and just the the coaching staff this season, the job they've done and. Just a team having a really disappointing year thus far. Um, I know that that – I'm not saying that's not a focus right now, but like you said, it's somehow low on the list considering everything else that's happening. Last week and certainly after the loss to Auburn, it was high on the list. So just your overall thoughts on that and what you've been hearing and you know, kind of feeling from both the fan base and just around the university. Yeah, of course. I mean, well, I mean, the opinion is based is obviously. I mean, yeah, you talk to boosters, you talk to players, you talk to. I mean, you know, if they're being honest with you, yeah, it's 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 bad. I mean, especially you know, the Bo Pelini thing is the number one thing. It's it's Bo Pelini just you know, I don't even want to criticize him. He's been a great defensive mind in football for for decades, but he is just not. You know, he just, I, I think the game has passed him by in a lot of ways, and then you just add to the fact that. I don't think, you know, he's really connecting with his defense at all, and I don't think they really, you know, are listening to him anymore, at least that much. And so you have the confusion, you have those issues. And, and I mean, the thing I would say about that Auburn game is that I think it's important to note that game was genuinely neck and neck for, I don't know, 25 minutes. And that game should have been like seven to three. And then obviously you had some, I would almost call them, you know, fluky or just kind of weird turnovers from a freshman quarterback. The game suddenly 21 nothing. And first of all, I don't think that 21 nothing was indicative of what that game really was. And then all of a sudden, once that game got 21 nothing, I hate to use terms like this, but they quit. And they gave up, and they just got embarrassed at a scale I, I, I've never seen. So it's just like, I mean, I think that tells you a lot about the disconnect right there. And I think, I think unfortunately, there's probably a bit of an issue with, hey, I mean, you got about, you know, I think a lot of the staff is, you know, older, and, you know, I, I don't think the the connection there is as good as it could be, and I, I think there's a lot of issues there that are probably going to be, be changes going forward. Good stuff. Brody Miller, our guest, at Brody A. Miller on Twitter, uh, LSU beat reporter for The Athletic. Um, last thing on that, because of the loss of revenue, which I know you guys are working on it, you don't have, you know, you haven't crunched all the numbers yet, but I certainly look forward to what you have coming up in the future on all that. 
it really makes, you know, there's some pretty big buyouts and other things. It really makes it ultra difficult to perhaps make some changes. And, and you also balance that with not trying to be knee-jerk. It is just one season. Um, but I've, I've heard various excuses, Brody, of, well, yeah, but, you know, COVID and they lost all these players. And I, I look, I my prediction was if they played 10 games this year before the season – was that they would go six and four, and I remember taking heat from people. Oh, you got to you got to do better than that at LSU. I'm like, look, they're losing a <laughs> exactly, lot. Yeah. Well, there's no way they're getting to that. All right, I don't care if they play ten. There's no way they're getting to six and four. It's <laughs> it's it's not just that they're losing some games. It's it's the disconnect that you said. I think that's pretty concerning at this point. And um, you know, I, I I don't anticipate any big sweeping changes, but I think it puts a totally different shadow on next season as we're looking ahead in terms of expectation and okay you know I don't want to call it a mulligan but what happened last year that's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on but it's fresh in everybody's mind if that makes sense yeah I mean first off you're saying but the buyouts and the finances I mean first off you're right but I, I really think at the end of the day this is terrible but it's more of an optics thing than it is a reality thing because you know, people always want to point to like how athletic departments doing when they point to buyouts and stuff like that. But in reality, it just takes like a few boosters putting together. Like and they would do that willingly. You know, it's not like yep, it's right. not like a salary cap you're pulling from in a in a football program or something like that. It's 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 your your yeah your budget is not actually what you're getting from the you know TAF and all that or whatever to make that sense buyout happen. And I think that could happen in a, in a heartbeat if they needed to. Um, but anyway, to your to your other you know, the other part of your question, I, I do think it's just going to be it's going to be fascinating because here's the thing, and, and you're right, I don't think you can blame COVID, but I do believe for some it, it's tricky because there's so many layers to it, right? I think I think COVID absolutely played a part in how badly they handled losing 19 starters, all this stuff, and new coaching staff. Of course, that's a factor. But then they also just handled the pandemic and like how to go about this whole year pretty poorly. They deserve all the blame for that. And, and I think there's something really interesting about, and this is where I'm going to get to the future part of it, is that there's something interesting about how you lose 19 starters that quickly. Because even the best teams, you, you, even if you have an amazing team, you expect to lose, what, 10, 11, you know, 12? Like 19 is just all time, right? And I think the difference was, and Zach von Rosenberg put it pretty well, was that they lost the guys that were like the grinders, right? The guys that were like teaching younger guys how to work hard and like how to like, like Patrick Queen, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Joe Burrow, who just like, work their butt off and all that. And then, you know, that's usually what gets passed down. And I think basically what happened was they lost everyone so fast that they lost their infrastructure of like the core guys, the backbone, the guys who like can lead. And then, and it's LSU. It's not like, you know, Indiana, my alma mater, where like your senior class is really your backbone in the SEC, LSU, Bama, like your junior class is your backbone. It's usually your senior class is guys who aren't good enough to go pro. Right. And to some extent, I'm not, I don't mean that literally, but basically LSU lost its infrastructure and then their new backbone is a 2018 class that unfortunately is kind of a huge dud. And I'm not criticizing it. That's also the class that brought you Joe Burrow and Damian Lewis and Cole Tracy. So like the ranking isn't fair, but those guys are gone. 2018 class is an all time dud. Terrace Marshall is amazing. Jamar Chase was amazing, but he's gone pretty much Terrence Marshall and Jason Hines are the only foundational starters on that, on that team right now. That's that's an all time bad. Yeah. So sorry for my rambling, but basically you just lost, you lost your backbone, but my positive I'll come out of that. What is the 2019 class is a top five class. You can actually argue that class isn't looking too good anymore because of all the departures, but 2019 class is a top five class. 
22 was number four nationally. And now your 2021 class looks like it could be your best one yet. It's number three nationally. There's a genuine chance that they land a few big fish that can get to number one. Like, that's not crazy. And my positive is that I think they're actually, if Ogeron handles this right, if he gets his staff in order, all those things, the infrastructure actually might be at its, for lack of a better term, its strongest. That, like, your junior class, your sophomore class, and your freshman class are the most talented in theory they'd ever been. And that is where maybe they can actually get out of this and really move forward strong. Brody Miller has been our guest at Brody A. Miller on Twitter. Give him a follow, LSU beat reporter for The Athletic and uh, host of Hold That Hold That Podcast podcast with uh, with T-Bob Bear. Brody, final question, and it, 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 it's got to be a quick one here. Um, of all of Quentin Tarantino's movies that he's directed, because he's written a lot, what is the best single performance by an actor or actress in his body of work? Oh, God, that's a great question. Um, oh, man, I got to be quick. I got to be quick. Uh, oh, I, I think the answer, actually, I feel confident this the more I think about it. I think it's actually Leo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I understand that Brad Pitt won the Oscar. And by the way, that's my favorite Brad Pitt performance ever, so I'm glad he won it. But I think Leo in that movie is doing so much more and like there's so much going on and so good in that that I think that's his the best performance in a, in a movie of his. But there's a lot of great arguments you can make. Just the distressed, like, you know, uh, insecure, <laughs> anxious. anxious Hollywood star who's like, does it matter anymore in his eyes and just constantly needs reaffirmment. Yeah, it's you're uh, right. Yeah, he's you working know. with a lot there. It's good. I know Brad Pitt's amazing in that, but he's being Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? Like he's unreal, but he's being Brad Pitt. He's still cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Brody, I appreciate it, man. Uh, always enjoy chat with you, and let's do it again maybe sometime next month. Oh, you know it anytime, man. Thanks for having me as always. Have a good one. You got it.